Welcome to Talos Takes, the security podcast for everyone from the C-suite to the front lines. All right. Thank you again for joining us in another episode of Talos Takes. I'm your host, Nick Biasini, and today I'm joined by one of our threat researchers, Chris Neal. Welcome to the program, Chris. Hey, thanks for having me. All right. So, Chris, uh, recently you published a blog outlining what you've been seeing from Loderat. Um, can you talk a little bit about what Loderat is and uh, how long you've been tracking it for? Yeah, sure. So uh, Loderat is an information stealer slash espionage tool written in a programming language called Autoit. It's been around for a few years. It was initially discovered in around 2019, but personally, I've been tracking it since 2020. So originally it was written and, and used by a group called Casablanca. It was just used by them. But in recent years, it's gotten a little bit more popular and has become a bit more widely used by different threat actors. And it's gone through quite a few changes since then, which we've covered in a few blog posts that I've written with a couple other researchers. So if you want to look more into that, there's there's quite a bit of information out there. Okay, cool. You mentioned it was written in Autoit. If I remember correctly, Autoit's a pretty common administrative tool. Could you talk a little bit about like what Autoit is and how it's used legitimately, I should say? Yeah, so uh, Autoit is a scripting language for uh, Windows that's primarily intended for administrative tasks and automating you know, re- repetitive things that you don't want to just do repetitively. So it's actually pretty powerful. Uh, It can do things like interface with the Windows API, call external DLLs, and interact with running processes and all that kind of stuff. It's fairly easy to learn as well. Its syntax is similar to basic, so it's pretty easy to pick up and uh, learn pretty quick. And it takes care of a lot of the kind of more complex Windows API interfacing. So it kind of wraps everything up into these really simple functions where you just give them a few input a few different things, and it takes care of all the uh, detailed Windows API stuff. And an, an important aspect about it is, especially in regards to malware, is that it can be compiled into a standalone binary, and it can run on any version of Windows, whether or not Autoit is installed on it. So basically, it's got a ton of things that you know are quite useful to, to malware authors. Okay, that's interesting. I, one of the things that I found most interesting in the blog and reading through it was the way that uh, you can actually decompile and then recompile the configuration. Could you talk a little bit about what that is and what that means? Sure. So uh, since Auto IT, uh, well, Auto It, God, I always call it Auto IT, um, but Auto It is um, since it's a scripting language that can be compiled, it's relatively easy to decompile it and retrieve the the uh, the original source code. In some instances with Loderat, the source code will actually be obfuscated with uh, string obfuscation and, and function obfuscation by kind of making the code go all over the place. But there are plenty of instances where it is completely unobfuscated. So the the original source code is in clear text. And so since you can access that source code, you can actually just make edits to that and then recompile it and use it. And one of the things about Loderat is that the the C2 comms are actually in clear text and they're unencrypted. They just get sent in an HTTP request. So it's pretty trivial to implement your own C2 infrastructure if you wanted to. And I've been seeing a lot more customized versions of Loderat within the last year or so. 
And some of these have actually made pretty, pretty significant changes, um, like adding one I was looking at in the, in the blog post, one added a function that can copy Loaderat over to any and all mounted external storage devices. So like a, a USB flash drive or a USB attached hard drive. But some of the changes I saw were actually a bit more subtle, like removal of functions or removal of code that's kind of broken. There's a couple examples of that in the, in the, uh, in the blog post. But I, I think we're going to see a lot more altered versions and variants of Loaderat in the future because it, within the last year, it's gotten a lot more use by various threat actors. Hmm. That's pretty interesting. It's, it's almost similar to how we see um, open source utilities being abused by bad guys, right? It gives them the ability to, to kind of decompile and then reconfigure and distribute their own version of malware if they want to, or, or am I misreading that a little bit? Oh, well, it's kind of a, you know, gray area in between, you know, the open source tooling and malware being sold on a forum or something like that. So while it's not actually, you know, a true open source tool, Autoit and Loaderet, Loaderet being written in Autoit, it kind of just carries its source code wherever it goes. So anywhere it ends up, someone can get a hold of it and decompile it. And they have source code for fully functional rat. And so as long as somebody, somebody has the capability of decompiling it, uh, which there are plenty of tools to get that done, there are a few different tools you can just go download for free. They can customize it to however they see fit. And so personally, I, I, I call this passive distribution, since it's basically just a passive and unintentional distribution of malware. It's not sitting there on a GitHub repo or anything, but its source code is there wherever it goes. So in the future, I've been thinking about doing some research regarding this kind of distribution in other languages like Autowit, where you can easily decompile it and get the code. So hopefully, you know, we'll get some pretty cool research out of that. But uh, yeah, it's kind of uh, kind of an interesting aspect of, of Autowit. Yeah, one of the one of the things that I did notice in the blog as well is you talk about how some of the source code for these rats is being stolen by other actors and being repurposed, which kind of ties a nice bow on how the the tools can be stolen by other adversaries and reweaponized in a variety of different ways. Yeah, absolutely. There there's the the other malware I was looking at in that blog post is a a clone of Venom Rat. And a few months ago, Five months ago, there was a Venom Rat leak. The source code was leaked. And the malware I was looking at was being sold as it was called S500 Rat. And what ended up happening is they just stole the Venom Rat code. Well, I guess it's not considered stealing if it's, <laughs> well, maybe it is. But they took the source code and then compiled it and tried to sell it as a brand new product. And what appears to have happened is there was retaliation from either the authors of Venomrat or people associated with them. And then S500 source code got leaked. And that's when everybody found out that it was just Venomrat, but repackaged. So it's, it's a pretty, pretty interesting aspect of the cybercrime world where you get everybody stealing from each other. And then you end up getting a bunch of malware that's essentially the same, but has a different name. <laughs> yep. As usual, no, no honor amongst thieves. No, uh, if you do want more information about the blog or want to read some of the great detail that Chris provided, go ahead and check out the link. Uh, otherwise, Chris, is there anything else you wanted to add before we end it today? Uh, no, not, not that I can really think of, but I think 
in the future, we're going to see a lot more instances of Loader Rat and uh, some more blog posts. So I guess keep an eye out for that. Okay, cool. Well, thanks for joining us. Again, we'll uh, we'll talk to you next time when we're talking about threats on Talos Takes. Have a good one. Sounds good. See ya.